Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to use three verses this morning. We're going to talk about contentment, the secret to a thankful life. And I hope this uh, message will be a blessing to you this morning. I hope that God will be able to speak to your heart and uh, pray that God will be able to um, help me with my thoughts as I speak this morning. Uh, let's do this. If you would, would you stand with me? And we'll read 4, then verse 11, 12, and 13. Chapter 4, verses 11, 12, and 13. And we'll read those and then we'll have a word of prayer. This is Paul speaking to the church at Philippi and this is what he said. And this is Paul speaking from a prison. On Wednesday nights we've been studying the book of Philippians and if you've been coming in, you know that we've said Paul is in Rome at this time of the writing of this book, this letter to the church at Philippi and he's uh, possibly even shackled to a Roman soldier during the time of this writing. And uh, so it's going to be interesting what Paul has to say with him being a prisoner. So let's say in verse 11, Paul said, not that I am speaking of being in need. Paul said, for I have learned in whatsoever situation I am to be content. He said, I know how to be brought low and I know how to, how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And then the verse that almost all of us know, it says in verse 13, Paul said, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Let's pray. Lord, as we look at your word today in these three verses and we kind of break them down, and Lord, we, we talk about contentment today. Lord, I pray that you would speak to our heart. Lord, only you know the burdens that we've brought into this auditorium today. Lord, uh, we're lifting up our pastor and Miss Jan and their family as the burden they have of losing a loved one. And then, Lord, today as we've come to church, many of us have burdens that are uh, very hard and on us and weighing us down. And, and so, Lord, I pray you'd speak to our hearts today. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd guide my thoughts. Help me not to say anything that I should not. Help me not to get in the way. But I pray it'll be with everything that's said would be pleasing to you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for your word. And thank you for the contentment that we can have because we know you as our Savior. Bless this time now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Have you ever wanted something so bad that you just thought, man, it's just going to kill me if I don't get that? I remember as a child wanting a toy or some game or a bicycle or something so bad thinking, man, I just, I just got to have that. My friend got one of them, and man, I got to have one of them. You might can relate to that back to your childhood. Or some of you teenagers, or during our teen years, we thought, man, if I could just date that girl, if I could just date that girl, Oh, man, she is a 10. She's a knockout. If I could just go on a date with her, or the girl would think, if I could just go on a date with him. He's so dreamy, you know. And then later on, we're thinking, God, thank you. I never went on a date with that girl. Think, you know, uh, things change, you know. If God gave me everything I ever prayed for, I wouldn't even be alive today. You know what I'm saying? And that's just the way it is sometimes. And I'm thinking, God, thank you. You didn't answer that prayer the way I prayed, you know. So sometimes we pray so selfishly. So selfishly. Uh, sometimes as an adult, we just think, God, if you just give me that job promotion, or if I could just have this job, or if I could just be driving that car. And, and we have all these things in our life that we want. I want to show you this. I want to give you a definition of contentment. This is what it says. Being satisfied with what you have or do not have in life. Now, that's a definition of contentment. Being satisfied with what you have or do not have in life. You're content. But let me take it a step further for the Christian this morning. What is contentment for the Christian? It's this. Listen to this. True Christian contentment is our heartfelt satisfaction with the person of God. 
Let me say that first part again. True Christian contentment is our heartfelt satisfaction with the person of God and not our estimation of our physical circumstances or our material worth. A lot of times we think, if I'm going to be content, i got to have material things. i got to be worth something. i got to, I got to have all these things if I'm really going to be content with life. And for the Christian, it's not that at all. For the Christian, it's being satisfied with God. Satisfied with God. This Wednesday, last Wednesday night, I mentioned something about Paul that I'm going to mention a couple of things today. And here's one of them. Paul is sitting here in a prison writing this to the, to the church at Philippi. And as he's sitting there, he's saying to be content. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was in a prison, it would be a hard thing for me to be content. Brother Steve, you, you deal with prisoners every week. And I would say most of them are not content in being in prison. They're all saying, I'm innocent. I didn't do it, you know, and I want out of here, you know. And uh, I wouldn't be content being there either. But Paul's sitting in prison and he's saying, listen, I've learned to be content with my life. And in 2 Corinthians, in verse chapter 11, Paul gives a list of some things that's happened to him, and I mentioned them Wednesday night. He said, five times I was beaten with 39 stripes. I was beaten with rods twice. He said, I was stoned once and left for dead, three shipwrecks. He said, I know what it means to be hungry. I know what it means to be cold from the weather. I know what it means to be naked and poor. He said, I know all these things. And yet Paul is the one who's sitting in prison saying this, I need you, church at Philippi, to be content, to be content. Now, if you watch any television, which most of us probably do, as you watch television, you realize that most of the time, what are the commercials set up to do? They're set up to make me not be content. They're set up to make me unhappy. They're set up sometimes to make me hungry, and they do. But the commercials are saying, you need this. You need that quarter pounder with cheese, you know. You need that car. Man, look at that car. You need this and you need that. And those commercials are set up to make us say, oh, man, I do need that. I deserve that. You know, how many times have we thought that? I mean, if anybody deserves it, it ought to be me, you know? And the commercials are set up. I mean, you look at just the phone commercials. They're saying, you've only got 3G? You could have 4G. For $300, you could get your messages three seconds faster. You know, that's about the way it is, you know? And you're thinking, i got to have that phone. i got to have that phone, you know? And that's what it is. And it's so easy for us to be discontent in life. Now, let me give you the first point. I got about four points today. Here's the first one. The first one's kind of strong. It says this, being discontent is a sin. Now you're going to say, a sin? I mean, is it a sin? Okay, let me tell you why. And I'm going to put this up on the board, up on the screen. Here's why. Discontentment is a sin because it denies the right of God to do with us as he wills. Now, let me read that again discontentment is a sin because I am denying God the right that he has to do with whatever he wants to in my life. Could it be God's will for me to be sick? It could. We don't think of it that way. We don't want to think of it that way. I mean, could it be God's will that I have a bad circumstance come in my life? Could it be God's will that I end up being poor instead of rich? Sure it could. There's a lot of things that that we don't want to accept as God's will But a lot of times God works in my life and works in your life in ways that we really don't enjoy. But God's still working in our life. And God is saying, be content with what's in your life. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, a lot of you know this verse. 
It says this, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. You've not had any temptations that the rest of us haven't had. But God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So God is not going to give me some trial or temptation in my life that I can't overcome because of his strength. God knows my ability. God knows my ability. And God is faithful in my trials. Hebrews 13, 5 says this, Keep your life free from love of money. And be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, I always know that last part. God said he'll never leave me nor forsake me. But I didn't realize that the love of money was tagged on the front end of that. (laughs) Kind of interesting, isn't it? And you know what? God's not saying having money is a sin. We all need money. We all wouldn't have these clothes on our back if we didn't have money to buy them with. But what he's saying is this. He's saying the love of money means you're not content with what you have. And if you're working and living for the mighty dollar, then he's saying you're not content and it's a sin in your life. It's a sin in your life. You see, God, to know God is to know God's provision. We don't have to covet. In fact, God says do not covet. God provides for us. And then to know God's presence and protection. To know God's presence and protection. I'm glad that rich or poor, God's in my life. I'm glad that if I have it, if I don't have it, God's in my life. And I can't let things of this world get such a grip on me that I'm not content if I don't have it all. If I don't have it all. Uh, There's there's a lot of old songs that talk about, you know, I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. And you know what? I can't get myself so dug down deep in this earth that I forget I'm just passing through. Just passing through. Not taking anything with me. So number one, being discontent is a sin because I'm denying God's right to work in my life as he wills. Number two, being content is a lifelong process and it builds our trust in God. You ever had a prayer answered? Well, when you've had a prayer answered, what does that do with your faith in God? It builds your trust. It lets lets you know God does know about me. God does care about me. So here in our, in our text today, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, Paul said this in verse 11, not that I am speaking of being in need. And I'm thinking, Paul, you're in prison. If anybody's in need, it's you. <laughs> I mean, if anybody's in need, it's got to be you. But Paul says, I'm not talking to you because I have a need. He said, but he said this, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Now, it's a lifelong process. Paul said this, I have learned it. I've learned it. It doesn't mean it's easy to learn. It doesn't mean it's joyous to always learn. But Paul said this, the good comes along, I'm content. The bad comes along in my life, I I lose that job, I lose this, something's taken out of my life, I, I have health problems, whatever it might be. Paul said this, I've learned to be content in whatever comes in my life. I've learned it. You see, circumstances can change just like that. The car wreck can happen just like that. And I'm not guaranteed another day, another moment of life. And when circumstances come, if I'm depending upon all that I've gained in life, all right, then I'm not going to be content when it's taken away from me. But if I'm depending upon God and realizing, well, I do not understand this. I might not even enjoy it or like it. But 
God, what are you doing? You're doing something in my life. You're working in my life. And God, I'm going to do the best I can with your help. I will be content with it. You see, in verse 12, the secret to contentment, he said, I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In, every, in, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Paul said this. He said, you bring on the hunger, I can be content with my stomach growling. You give me plenty to eat, I can be content and thankful. He said, I know how to abound and how to be a base in the King James Version. It says, he says, I know how to, when it's going good, then I can, I can handle it. But when I suffer need, I can handle it. Why? And that's why he says in verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens, strengthens me. Because Paul said, I've learned it. How can I do all things? Because I've learned the circumstances do not matter. I still have God. They're helping me. If you look at Joseph in the Old Testament and you just briefly think of his life, his brothers sell him as a slave. They send him off to Egypt. He gets bought by a man as a slave. The, 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 the man named Potiphar's wife lies against Joseph. Joseph gets thrown into jail for many, many years. All right? All of these bad things are happening to him. And the most amazing part is this. Everything that happens to Joseph, he just keeps rising back to the top. Gets his legs taken out from under him, he just keeps rising back to the top. There's no doubt in my mind that Joseph, in his worst times, was content with his God. Here is a young man, 17 years old, that's away from his parents, away from his family, in another country. He could have done anything he wanted to as far as, I know he was a slave, but he could have done wicked things. He could have been a wicked person. And yet, because he was content with God, he never strayed away from God. He never strayed away from God. Pharaoh said this about him in Genesis 41, 38. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find a man like this in whom is the Spirit of God? I mean, Potiphar sees him and says, man, my house is being blessed because of this 17-year-old teenager. (laughs) And then he goes into prison and he ends up in prison being the the head prisoner. He's watching over the other ones. Everything that happens, he rises to the top. He interprets the dreams and he rises to the top over and over. And Pharaoh said this, I don't know another man like this man. He's a young man probably in his 20s, but I don't know another man like this man. The Spirit of God rests upon him. At the end of the story, when Joseph's brothers come in chapter 50 and they do bow down before him, as was told in the dreams, listen to what Joseph said. Listen to his testimony and you can just see contentment all over. Listen to what he says in chapter 50 of Genesis 19 to 20. But Joseph said to them, his brothers, do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, But God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Joseph, the entire time, somehow knew God hasn't forgotten me. God's still in control, and I'm content with it. As bad as it got, I'm content with it. We tend to think that nothing would ever happen to us bad if God was in control, but it's just not true. It's just not true. So being content, discontent is a sin. And then also we see secondly that being content is a lifelong process and builds our trust in God. And then thirdly, I want us to notice this this morning. Contentment comes from God. 
It comes from God. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. What does he say? I shall not, shall not want. <laughs> That's a shepherd saying, I don't have to have need for anything because my God supplies it all. He's my shepherd. I'm the sheep. He's my shepherd. Another way to say it might be this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall be content. You might say this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall be satisfied. I shall be satisfied. Job said in Job 121, he said this. Naked I came from my mother's womb and naked shall I return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job's wife said, why don't you just curse God and die? You got boils from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. Why don't you just curse God and get it over with? But Job said, I came into this world with nothing. I'm going to go out with nothing, but I'm still going to praise God. I'm still going to be content with my God. You see, those who go through tough times can help those who go through tough times. You know, sometimes you think, man, I don't know why I had to go through that. Well, you know what? Somewhere down the road in your life, it could just be that you're going to help someone else go through the same thing that you've been through. I've never had a a big bout with cancer, but some of you have. And because you have, when somebody else has, you can say, you know what? I have been there. And let me tell you how God helped me through it. And you can be the encouragement that they need because you're content with your God. You're content with your God. So does God understand Yep, he sure does. Does God understand my circumstances? He does. Jesus said this. He said, as they said, I will follow you. Jesus said, you're going to follow me? He said, okay, let me tell you this. I don't even have anywhere to lay my head. But he was content with God the Father. He said, tonight I don't even know where I'm going to sleep or lay my head. But he was content. The things that I have or do not have, the circumstances that I live with, the problems that I face are all a part of God's plan as he shapes my life to be used by him as a servant. God is not through with us, so what's God doing? God's working on us. God's shaping me and God's shaping you. And though we might not understand it, it's okay. It's not the finished product. You know, it's always easy to have the hindsight Everybody says hindsight's 2020. When you look back, you go, oh, now I understand why that happened to me. Boy, I didn't know when I was going through it why it was happening. But it's real easy to look back and say, oh, now I know why. Okay? But you know what? There are things in life that even when you look back, you still say, I still don't understand why I went through that. I still don't understand why that happened. But you know what? It's okay. Because see, here's the thing. God has a bigger plan than me. Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. I want to show you this picture right here. I know you do not know these people, but I've gone to Nicaragua about three, I think three times. And um, every time I go there, God just really moves in my heart. Don and I have been able to go. We've taken teenagers there and some adults that went kind of like what Pastor Jesse did this week in Jamaica. We went to Nicaragua. And one of my friends named Tony Jones, who was from the city that we were living in before we moved here, God just broke his heart for the people of Nicaragua and he went there and he built kind of a, almost like a camp setting. But we've gone there. The last time we went there, one day he always planned out what we were going to do. And one day he said, we're going to go see the such and such family. And we said, okay, we didn't have a clue it was. He's in a village that's extremely poor. We actually went one day, we went over to what's called the city dump and there's people actually that live in the city dump and whatever 
they found in the dump is what their house is made out of. And over there, when they throw something away, it's not like here. I mean, if they throw a pair of tennis shoes away over there, they're, they're, they're shot. There's nothing left of them. And uh, here we throw stuff away that's very usable, but not over there. But he said, we're going to go see the so-and-so family. So we got up, and we only walked probably maybe a tenth of a mile. And we went over, and we met this family right here. And this family right here has two sons. You can see their son. The son that's sitting in the lap of the mom is the oldest. Uh, but that son right there has some, some, some physical problems, as you probably can tell, and, and cannot talk, and, and uh, maybe just a little bit of retardation there. And, and, and he, just, he just has some tough times, and he has a very, he's, he's had a tough life. And as we were there, a girl named Rosa was the girl that's in Nicaraguan, and she's the interpreter, and, and we would talk, and Rosa would tell them what we were saying. And we went there to try to be an encouragement to them, and boy, it ended up, you know how it is, it always ends up being, well, they're the encouragement to you. And uh, I saw what they were living in, and I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. I mean, it was a piece of wood stacked here and part of a four-by-eight piece and then a piece of metal. And, I mean, I'm telling you, a good strong wind would have just taken it right down. And then I just could see inside. Of course, no electricity. And I could kind of just see inside of the darkness of it and saw they're in there sleeping on on hammocks. That's what they slip on. That was their bed was a hammock. And and I'm seeing they had a hammock outside. And and, and I'm just thinking of all these things, and I'm thinking, boy, they've really got a tough life. They've really got a tough life. And uh, so I, I asked Tony, I said, ask them what they need. What do they need? So he tells Rosa, and Rosa tells them in Spanish, what do you need? And they got big smiles on their face, and she turns around and she tells me, she says, they said they don't have any, they don't have any needs. God's been good to them. They don't have any needs. Well, I'm standing there thinking of 100 things they, that I think they need, and they're telling me they don't, have, they don't need anything. I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me. You don't need anything? You know, you're cooking on a fire pit. You don't need a stove? You know, you have no running water. You don't need some plumbing? You know, I mean, you don't have a bed. You're sleeping in a hammock? I mean, the, I, I could just think of a hundred things just like that. And so they said, we don't have any needs. And they're just smiling, saying, God's just been so good to us. We don't have any needs. And it broke my heart. And I started talking to Tony, and I said, where, uh, I said, where, where's their well? And he said, it's broken. They don't have running water. They don't have any water even in a well. And I said, I knew they didn't have indoor plumbing. I said, where's their outhouse? He said, they don't have an outhouse. I said, they don't have an outhouse. He goes, no. He said, they carry that boy to the ocean. It's about a quarter of a mile away. I said, you're kidding me. I said, you telling me they have to, to use the restroom, they have to carry that boy to the ocean? I mean, I'd never heard of such a thing. And I'm thinking, this, this is, I mean, in the world we live in today, are you kidding me? And so, I mean, when he told me that, I just thought, you've got to be kidding me. I was, just, I was just so taken back by it. So I pulled Tony to the side and I said, Tony, is there a way to find out what it would cost to drill, drill another well? Can we, could they drill a well? And he goes, yeah, this one can be fixed. I said, can we get them a restroom? So he said, well, we could, yeah, an outhouse could be built. He said, when we get back, I'll ask Pedro how much it cost. I said, okay, please do that. So we get back, and uh, Tony comes up and he says, it's going to cost $600. I said, $600 for the well? He goes, no, $300 for the well and $300 for the outhouse. I said, you've got to be kidding me. They've been carrying this kid a quarter of a mile to the ocean because they don't have an outhouse, and it's only $300? But these people had no money, zero, not a coin in their pocket. 
So I went over to Todd, the guy that was with me, and we started pulling money. And we, and we came up, we had $600. And I handed it and I said, I said, Tony, when can they do this? He said, they'll start on it Monday. It was like Thursday or Friday. And within about, he said, they can do it within a week. And you know, I sit there and I saw that and I thought, you know what? If, if that was Tommy Stone up there, he'd be griping his you know, mouth off. I'd be complaining to God, look where you put me, you know, I can't believe, you know, I would, I'd be whining, I'd be the biggest baby's ever lived, you know, because if I was living like that, because I live like this, and you live like you do, and you know, when I, when I think that, they're saying, I don't need anything, boy, that was a lesson to me, that's somebody that said, you know what, I'm content that I know God, they were Christians, and I'm just, I know God, I don't need anything. And I'm thinking, boy, I am so far from them. I am so far from being the Christian that they are over in Nicaragua. That boy sitting in the lap died last year. And that boy's got a new body right now. But you know, God's plan in our life is so much bigger than us. It's so much bigger than us. And so many times I'm discontent because I want my plan. I want it my way. I want my life. I want my things. And God is saying, you know what? I could do so many more things through you if you would just be content with who I am. If you would just be content with that, the fact that I'm in your life and you don't need all those things because you've got me. The last thing I want to talk about today is this. Contentment will help us be godly and live for eternal things. Isn't it so easy to get our eyes on the wrong things. It sure is. It's so easy for me to get focused on something that has no eternal value. I can go out and play golf and play terrible and be so aggravated with myself, you know, just, so, you know, I want to snap that club right over my knee, except it'd break my leg because I'm weak, you know. I mean, and, I, and then I come back and I, why did I get so upset about golf? Does that, that don't mean a hill of beans. That don't mean nothing. Why don't I get upset about somebody that maybe don't know Christ? Now that matters. Why don't I get about something that really matters in life, you know? But it's so easy for me to get my focus on the wrong things. Being content will help us be godly and live for eternal things. 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul speaking to Timothy. Notice what he's telling a young Timothy here. He says this, But godliness with contentment is great gain. He said, Timothy, you're young. You want to gain something in your life? You have godliness and you be content in your God. It'll bring you great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we, can take, we, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be what? Content. He says, Timothy, you got food, you got clothes on your back. That's all you need. You got God. You be content with that. You be content with that. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs or many sorrows. He says, Timothy, don't get your roots deep in this world. If you've got food and clothing, that's all you need because you've got God. And he says, I know many people who strayed away because of the love of this thing called money. That, that these things, material things, these worldly things, dragged them down so bad, they wandered away from God. And then he said this, and it also brought a lot of pangs, it brought a lot of sorrow in their life. 
And you know that's true. That's true. If I'm not careful, I want all these things in my life. And you know what they bring? They really bring sorrow. I think they're going to bring happiness or joy, but they really don't. They bring discontentment because I want more. And so he says, Timothy, godliness with contentment is great gain. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus gives the Sermon on the Mount, and he said, food and drink and clothing. That's what you need. Food and drink and clothing. He gets down to verse 30, and he says, O ye of little faith, because this Christian life is a life of faith. And if I'm content with God, my faith will increase because I'll see God working in the good and in the bad. Verse 33 says this, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added up to you. Uh, Matthew 6, 20, But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. Now as we close today, as we close today, I want us to remember this. True contentment, true Christian contentment is what? Our heartfelt satisfaction with the person of God. Now I ask you this. Are you satisfied with God today? If we're not content, we're not satisfied with God. Because we're saying, God, I want more. You're not enough is what we're saying. God, you're not enough. I'm not satisfied with just you. I want more from this world. And so true Christian contentment is our heartfelt satisfaction with the person of God. Let me give you three things that I'm just going to mention in closing. Here's number one. It is okay to ask God to change circumstances in life, but be content if he doesn't. There's nothing wrong with praying and say, God, would you please change the circumstances? They're hard. They're difficult. I'm not, you know, will you please change it? There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, Joseph did that when he was in prison. He wanted out. He wanted out. The apostle Paul prayed three times that that thorn in the flesh would be removed, but God never removed it. Jesus himself said this, Father, let this cup pass from me, but not my will but thine. So it's not wrong or sinful to say, God, will you pray, I'm praying, will you change these circumstances? Because others did it. Others did it. Jesus himself did it. So it's not wrong, but we must be content if he doesn't. Number two, God gives and takes away in my life with purpose. With purpose. God's got a reason for it. I might not understand it right now. I might not understand it till I get to heaven. But God has a purpose in what he's doing in my life. So God gives and God takes away. And he gives and he takes away. But there's a purpose and a reason for it all. There's a purpose and a reason for it all. Number three goes along with that. God is sovereign. God is in control. Sometimes I look right now at our country and our world and I say, Whew, God, we're in trouble. But I can't forget, God's still in control. Nothing catches him by surprise. When something happens in my life, I can say, God, do you know what's happening? Well, sure he does. Didn't catch him by surprise. And God is in control. Psalm 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that does this, that trusteth in him. So today, can I trust in God enough that no matter what comes in my life, I will be content with it? Here's a saying that I finish with. Be content with your God and you can be content with your life. If I'm content with God, everything in my life I'll be content with because I know I'm trusting in God. 
I don't know what's going on in your life today. You may have some burdens or some problems or a situation that almost seems impossible. I've been there before. And it's like, I don't know the way out. I don't know the direction to go. I don't know the answer to this. But God, I'm going to trust in you. God, I'm going to be content with you. And I know you'll answer my prayer according to your will. So I don't know what's going on in your life today. But you know what? You might have something that's a heavy burden to you. Why don't you be content with God and just give it to him today? Why don't you say, God, what's going on in my life right now? I don't understand it, but I'm content with you. It'll be okay. It'll be okay. Let's bow for a word of prayer.